Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We are in week number two of a series that we're calling Stand Firm, Love Well. We're calling it this series, Stand Firm, Love Well, because we live in a culture that says you have to choose between one of those two. You either have to stand firm for God and nobody's gonna like you and you're gonna make everybody mad or you're gonna have to love well, which may mean that you compromise some things and abandon the things of God. And there seems to be a very real tension between those two things. Do I stand firm here or do I love well? But what we're gonna learn is that throughout the whole Bible that God calls us to do both to not choose between the two, but to stand firm and love well. And in this series, we're looking at the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, because in that book of the Bible, we discover that they faced the same exact tension. And the, the book of Daniel, it actually shows us that we can do both. We can stand firm and love well. And so today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I wanna talk for the next few minutes on this subject, learning the hard way. We're going to talk for just a few minutes on this subject of learning the hard way. Come on, how many by show of hands have ever learned anything the hard way? You've learned something the hard way. If you're watching online, just put right there in the chat. I have. I mean, that you have learned something. We all have. I know I have. Um, In fact, I grew up and I played a lot of sports growing up. It was always a big part of my life. So I grew up playing sports and being active. And I always heard, even from a young age, I heard the importance of stretching. That you got to stretch. That stretching is so important. Now, um, I'm what the doctors call inflexible. Um, (laughs) uh, Not relationally, just physically. And so, in in fact, let let me show you. I've actually been working on this for years, and this is as far as I got. Okay, this this is, in all honesty, as, as low as I can get. That's it. I mean, a good eight to nine inches from my toes. And the sad thing is I've been working on it. Uh, but, but all throughout my life, I, I've just been hearing, oh, stretching is, is so important. You got to stretch, stretch. And um, I've just ignored it. Uh, and I'm just like, whatever. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. I'm an athlete. I am young. I'm in shape. I take care of myself. Forget about stretching. Let's just play. Let's just work out. Let's just go ahead and play the pickup game of basketball. Let's go ahead and just start lifting weights. Whatever we got to do, let's just go ahead and do it. Because stretching, it's just a waste of time. It's not that big of a deal. Until I tore my hamstring playing church softball. (laughs) Which, thinking about that, by the way, is officially the most old man sentence that I have ever said in the history of our church, that I tore my hamstring playing church softball. And I learned about the importance and the necessity of stretching the hard way. And in Daniel chapter four, we see a story of someone who had to learn something the hard way. And we pick up in Daniel chapter four, verse four, it says, I Nebuchadnezzar. So this is the person talking. And uh, it's the king of Babylon. And he's writing in the first person. He's telling his story. And he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace 
in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. And he goes on to say in verse 10, this dream, he says, while I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. And this tree grew very tall and strong, reaching into the heavens for all the world to see. So it was a very big tree that everybody in the entire world had to recognize. In verse 12, it says, it had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. And this messenger shouted, cut down the tree and lop off its branches, shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit, chase the wild animals from its shade and birds from its branches, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass, now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field for seven periods of time. Let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. In other words, he's going to go absolutely crazy. It's going to be completely insane. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know that the Most High, that God, that he rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. So here we see that old Nebi had a vivid dream. So he has this dream and it's very vivid, but he doesn't know what it means. And he's like, I know that this feels like this means something. So he gathers a bunch of magicians and astrologers and fortune tellers. He says, hey, will you please tell me what this dream means? But none of them could tell him what this dream means. So he brings in Daniel and he says, Daniel, can you tell me what this means? And listen to his, his response in verse 19. It says, upon hearing this dream, Daniel, he's also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time. He was frightened. He was scared out of his mind by the meaning of this dream. It's like right there he feels this tension. And it's a tension that we often feel sometimes maybe in culture. So like, do I tell him like what he wants to hear? Or do I tell him what he needs to hear? Like, do, right here in this moment, do I do what's right or do I do what's easy? Because if you look back one chapter earlier, this is the same guy who put Daniel's three friends in a fireplace because they did not do what he wanted him to do. So he's like, so do I tell that guy? He's crazy. I don't want to be thrown in some fireplace. I don't want to be burned alive. I mean, they got out of it, but I don't know if that'll be my luck. So do I tell him, do I do what's right or do, do I do what's easy or do I do what's right? And so he decides, okay, I'm going to tell him. And so he says, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. It's a good way to start that out. <laughs> he says, that tree, your majesty, I hate to break this to you. I love that he said, your majesty It's like so much honor, so much respect. He says, it's you. It's you. For you have grown strong and tall. He's like, yes, I have. It says, your greatness reaches up to the heaven. You better believe it. And your rule to the ends of the earth. You will be driven from human society. 
and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means you will receive your kingdom back again once you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. And then perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Think about this. God in his grace gives Nebuchadnezzar a heads up through this dream. In God's grace, he says, yo, if you don't change some things, like everything is going to be taken from you. Like if, if you don't change some things, this is coming your way. This is going to happen. But Nebuchadnezzar ends up learning the hard way. Listen to what happened in verse 28. It says, but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later. So 12 months chewing on that dream, 12 months chewing on what that dream, what that dream actually meant, but he didn't change. So 12 months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. And as he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. And while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a, a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He did eat grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. In other words, he was straight up crazy, okay? So if you, if you look past that dream, if you look past like the, the imagery and, and some of the things that sometimes like the eagle, claw, the, the eagle claws and the, the feathers and all those things, if you look past some of those details, you know what we'll see? You know that what we really see here is that we see God, he's dealing with Nebuchadnezzar's pride. That's what we see when we peel back all the different layers. We see that God is dealing with his pride. In the Bible, it talks a lot about pride. In fact, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is screaming this warning to you and to me. Deal with your pride or your pride will deal with you. Literally, it is, this Bible is screaming this warning to you and to I today that we need to deal with our pride or that our pride will eventually deal with us. And Nebuchadnezzar, the thing is, he learned this the hard way, but he didn't have to. But he learned it the hard way. See, pride is so destructive because it is the root of every other sin. How many of you, just by show of hands, have ever heard of the term that, that pride is the root of all evil? Anybody ever heard that? Well, well why? Why is that such a big deal? See, it's such a big deal because pride, it declares, I want to be God. 
at the root of pride, what it is deep down, there's part of us that says, I want to be God. I want his job. And this is not new. This goes all the way back to page three in my Bible where Satan, where he's lying to Eve in the garden. And he says in Genesis 3, 5, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you, this is what he's appealing to her. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, the fall of humanity wasn't because of eating fruit. The fall of man was because of pride. And it goes back even before that. Because the reason why the enemy could even make those lies is because it happened to him. See, because that's what he, like, he wanted to be God. And so the angel turned into a devil. And if an angel can turn into a devil because of pride, what can it do to us? Because we see in the Bible, it's very clear. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says pride, it goes before destruction. In other words, that pride, it will destroy our lives. And we see this so clearly in Daniel chapter four, when we see Nebuchadnezzar's story, we see that pride, it absolutely destroys his life. And because this pride was running rampant in his life, and just like it was running rampant in Nebuchadnezzar's life, here's what I see a lot of times is that it's running rampant in today's culture. Is that pride is everywhere. Just take a look, wherever you can look, look, look online. Listen to music, watch TV. There's things that we see where pride is everywhere. And a lot of times it's overt and we can know exactly what that is, but sometimes it's even low key. Here's what pride can look like. Here, pride can look like I don't need God. That, like just straight up, I just don't need God. I'm good. Sometimes that's what pride can look like. But even more than that, it can look like I don't need anyone. I don't need anybody. I can get through this by myself. I don't need anybody to help me. A lot of times that's what pride can look like, that, that I can get through this by myself. Here's another one, is that I'll do it myself. I don't need any help. I can do this. Nobody can do it as good as I can. And so I'm gonna do this myself. It's like pride is saying, I've got this. I've got this. Nobody else. Because I can't trust anyone but myself. That's what pride will say. Pride will say, I can't trust anyone but myself. See, pride will say, I'm in control. Not anybody else. I'm in control. Pride will say, I'm in charge. That nobody can tell me what to do. I'm in charge. Pride will say, I know what's best. Pride will say, I'm self-made. That's it. I'm self-made. Pride will say, I always have to have it all together. See, even when I don't, even when under the surface, everything is a dumpster fire, but on the outside, I've got to make sure everybody knows I always have it all together. See, because people in my family, we always have to keep it all together. A lot of times we can do that. See, pride can also say just straight up, I'm better than them. I would never say it, but deep down I think it, and I feel it, and I act that way. I'm better than them because of whatever reason, I'm better than them. See, pride can look like there's no way I'm wrong. No way. See, I'm right. You're wrong. There's no way that you can convince me otherwise. No way I'm wrong. 
Pride can also look like I can't learn from them. Like them? I can't learn from them. Because they're too inexperienced. I've been doing this much longer than them. You know, what could I actually learn from them? Pride can look like this. Just look at me. Just look at me. Look at me. It's all about me. My brand. I'm going to take some selfies. You know, it's, it's all about me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And finally, like T.O. said, the great wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals for one season. I love me some me. See, a lot of times that's what pride can look like. And a lot of times that's what we see. Now, here's what we have to be careful about. Because if we're not careful, these mentalities, that list, like that pride, it can sneak into our lives. And it's so easy for our lives to look just like that list. For us to look that way or to adopt certain things of those. And that's what really looks like where, where, where we end up looking just like the culture. And let me just remind you that we're not called to fit in. We are called to stand out, that we are not called to look like culture, but we are called to influence culture and for us to stand firm and love well in today's culture that can be filled with so much pride. Listen, we have to look different. It's so important. So today, listen, I'm not asking you to fix the world. I'm not asking you to solve that problem. What I'm asking you to do is look in the mirror. What I'm asking you to do is not just go and try to fix all the things in society. I'm not here pointing the finger at somebody else. I'm saying, God, I'm asking for me to look in the mirror and say, is there any pride in there? I'm taking spiritual inventory today and saying, God, would you highlight any area of pride that I may have in my life? That's what I'm asking you to do today. And not just that, not just for God to highlight maybe a certain area in your life, or maybe there's just, and maybe it's just a little bit. Maybe there's just this really dark corner of your soul where there's a little bit of pride that's there. And I'm saying, church, let's have the courage today to face it and not just face it, deal with it. How can we do that? What does that even look like? Because if we don't, If we don't deal with the pride that's in our life, the truth of this book is that that pride will deal with us. And just like King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4, I don't want you to learn it the hard way. So what do we do? How can we practically deal with pride that maybe is in our life, whether it's a little bit or whether it's a whole lot? Here's three things that I want to encourage you to do every single day. Three things that I practically do in my life every day that I promise you, if every single day in the morning, if you take time to do these three things, that it will literally drive the pride out of your life. And here's number one, acknowledge God. Every single day, we're going to make the choice to acknowledge God and his fingerprints that are all over our lives. And it could look like this, to say, God, I acknowledge that today is the day that you have made. I did not make it, you made it. I acknowledge that today, that you are the creator. I acknowledge that you gave me the gift of today that was not promised. See, the Bible says that our lives are like a vapor, a mist that's here today and gone tomorrow. We are not promised today. But right now, I acknowledge, God, that my heart is beating because of you. Right now, I acknowledge that there's breath that is in my lungs because you put it there. I acknowledge that you are first in my life. 
that you have the place of one in my life, that you are in charge, that what you says goes, that I acknowledge that I need you in every single area of my life. I acknowledge today that I need you in my relationships, that I need you in my marriage. I need you in my parenting. I need you in my job. I need you in my finances. I need you in my dream. That I acknowledge that I desperately need you in area of my life. I'm gonna acknowledge every single day that your word is true. And I line up my entire life, my thoughts, my emotions, my actions to your word, even when I don't understand, even when it doesn't make sense, even when I don't agree, even when it gets all up in my business. And I'm like, I don't like that, even though I acknowledge that this is true and I line up my entire life to it. It's saying that I acknowledge that everything I have is yours. Everything. That you are the owner, I am the steward. So every single breath is yours. Every minute of today is yours. Every relationship I have is yours. Every bit of influence, every bit of leadership that I have right now is because you gave it to me. Every possession, every single dollar in my bank account is yours. Everything is yours. Everything, God, everything is yours. Like Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six says, I'm gonna trust in the Lord with all my heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Instead, in all your ways, in everything, When I wake up and when I go to bed and everything in between, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And here's his job. He will make your, he will make straight your paths. I'm going to acknowledge God every single day. Number two, I'm going to exalt God every single day. I'm going to exalt God. That not only should we acknowledge God every day, but we should also exalt God every single day. Now, here's what I understand, that exalt is a churchy word that we don't really use often. It's not like you're in the break room at your job and be like, let's exalt Charles today. Let's do that, everybody. (laughs) So I understand that's not like in everyday language most of the time, but just because it's a churchy word, it doesn't mean it's a bad word, and it doesn't mean it's a word that we need to know. And so exalt, it just literally means, like, it just means to elevate. It just means to raise, to lift high. So to exalt God means that I'm going to lift him up above everything else in my life. So every single day, I'm going to say, God, I lift you above my desires. I lift you above my dreams. I lift you above every single area of my life that I'm going to lift you above my problems and my issues and my challenges and my drama, even though every single one of those things are real. And I have to face those things every single day. When we say we're going to choose to exalt God, we're saying those things are real, but God comes above those things things, that we're going to lift those things high, even above our challenges and our problems, that we're going to lift God above our jobs and our careers and that next promotion, that we're going to lift God above every single relationship that we have, our marriage, our, our, our kids, everything, our best friend, everything, our dating relationships. We're going to lift him up above every possession and everything that we have. We are going to lift him up among everything that's in our agenda, our present, our past, everything. He goes above everything that's happening in our world. God, you are there. You are at the top of the list. Like like Psalm 145, 
Verse 1 says, I will exalt you. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name, not just on Sundays, not just for a compartmentalized hour of our week at Queen City Church, that I am going to praise your name forever and ever. I will not stop. Every single day, I'm going to exalt you. So every day, we're going to acknowledge God. We're going to exalt God. And then number three, what's really important, and I'm going to choose to humble myself. I'm going to exalt God, I'm going to acknowledge God, and I'm going to humble myself. And by the way, this doesn't mean like you're putting yourself down. This doesn't mean that you have a bad self-esteem. See, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. But more than that, think about this. I think that humility is just simply having an accurate view of who God is and who you are. I think when we have an accurate view, when we have the right, the correct perspective of who God is, then that automatically says, well, that's who I'm not. And it's very easy to stay humble when you know who he is and you know who you are. And so humility, that's a great picture of what it is. And make no mistake about it, humility is coming. One way or another, I love you enough to tell you the truth, that humility is coming. You will either humble yourself or you will be humbled. In fact, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, it articulates this when it says pride, it ends in humiliation. That is where it leads, humiliation, while humility, it leads and it brings honor. And it's basically saying it's your choice. You will have two paths either humility or humiliation. Choose one. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, so humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, here's what he's going to do. He's going to lift you up in honor. In other words, that the way up is down. That the higher you go is all dependent upon how low you get. That the lower we get, the higher we go. Why? Because humility always precedes honor. Always. And so how do we deal with this? Because we have to acknowledge God every day. Every day I'm going to acknowledge God. Every day I'm going to exalt God. And then every single day I'm going to humble myself. Now, almost every single week of our church, almost every single service in our church, during worship, there'll be a time during worship where I will get on my knees. And there'll be a time where I get on my knees. It goes all the way back to launch Sunday on September 16th, 2018, an amazing day. And for all the 130 plus weeks of our church since then, there's been a moment where almost every single time I get in a position like this. And I honestly, I really struggled with even sharing this today because um, a massive part of my heart, and I know I don't know you all, but a massive part of my heart is that I never want the attention to be on me. I always want the attention to be on God. And so I really struggled with God, do you really want me to share this? Because I want you to know that my heart is that when I do this, that I don't do this to put on a show, 
that I don't do this to look spiritual. I don't do this to impress you. I don't do this for attention. I do this because I desperately need God. I do this because I know that I don't wanna do this by myself. I, I do this because I know that me by myself is not enough. I know it. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no part of me that says I can do this without you. And so every single week as a way to physically remind myself, I get in a posture that hurts. Your boy is 6'3". Played a lot of ball in my life. This is not the most comfortable position for me to get in right now in my, in my life. But I do this every single week because I need God. And so when I'm on my knees, I was just a minute ago over there in this little corner. And I, I tell God some things like, God, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you for this week. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And I know out of all the people in the world, all the people in the world, you could have used anybody, but you chose me. And that blows me away. And no matter how many times I have the honor and privilege of standing before our church and sharing in public what God told me in private, no matter how many times that I'm, I'm never entitled to it, I always wanna have the mentality that I'm thankful for everything entitled to nothing. And so I tell God that. I say, God, I'm not entitled to this. I'm not entitled to a microphone. I'm not entitled to this platform, but I'm so grateful. And I tell God, God, I don't wanna do this without you. I need you. I need your presence. I ask God to open up heaven over Memorial Hall. I ask God to open up heaven over wherever you're watching online right now. And then I ask God to open up every heart that's in there. And with open heaven and open hearts, there's something that's incredibly special that can happen. And so I ask God to do that. I ask God to give my words weight every single week because my words by themselves aren't enough. And I just repeat this one line over and over again, less of me and more of you, less of me and more of you, less of me and more of you. And so I acknowledge God, I exalt God and I humble myself. And here's what I want you to see church is that this, this right here is how we stand firm and love well in today's culture. This is how we can stand firm and love well. It's, this is how we earn the right to have influence. It's not by being right. It's not by standing up and being loud. And it's not by pointing our fingers. It's by taking the humble posture of saying, God, I need you. I acknowledge you. I make you famous. I make you bigger. And God, I humble myself. I get as low as I possibly can. And God says, I can use that. 
I can use that to influence an office. I can use that to influence a business. I can use that to influence a a school. I can do that to influence a campus. I can do that to influence that home. I can do that to influence those, those people that are in your family right now that are far from God. I can use that. Not by somebody with full of pride, but somebody that's humble. Somebody that knows they need God. I'm all in that. This is how we do it. Here's why. Because a person on their face can never fall from that position. That if you start with your face before God, every day there is nowhere to go but up. And I want you to know, church, that God responds to this. I believe it with all my heart. In fact, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, if my people, if you would just do this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, which is a beautiful picture of repentance. It's just turning. Then here's what I'm gonna do. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And I will, my goodness, do we need this. Heal their land. It's not by being loud. It's not by having pride. It's by getting low. And so we want to give you an opportunity today before we end to do this, to put all the things that we just talked about into practice. So we're going to end a little bit different today. We're actually going to take some time to sing a song and to create some space for us to acknowledge God, to exalt God and to humble ourselves. And so we're gonna sing a song. And here's gonna be my challenge to you, is my challenge to you today is to the best of your ability to be able to put your physical body in a place that matches your heart. That wherever your heart is today, and that we're, we're not going to tell you to stand up. We're not going to tell you to sit down. We're not going to tell you to get on your knees. But I just want to challenge you. For some of you, maybe you've never lifted your hands in worship, in surrender. Say, so I'm not going to keep my, why would I do that? You know why? Because the Bible says so. It says to lift holy hands to God. To surrender. I'm magnifying you not me, you. Maybe that's a step for you today. Maybe for some of you, you need to stand to your feet and you need to stand in the presence of God. Maybe you need to just stay there in, in your seat and just have a moment with God and pray and sing this song. Maybe for some of you, as space allows, maybe you need to join me and get on your knees and full surrender before God and say, I choose today to exalt you and to humble myself. I just challenge you to to let this be a moment where we put this into practice. And I believe God's going to do something so special here in this moment because it's not about us, it's about him. And so God, right now, I pray in Jesus' name that as we go into this time of worship, God, first we acknowledge you. We acknowledge that you are God and we are not. We acknowledge that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're awesome. We're thankful that you're our provider today. And God, we acknowledge that you gave us this gift of today. 
We acknowledge that everything is yours. We acknowledge who you are and what you've done in our life. And God, today, right now, we exalt you. We lift you high. We raise you above everything that's going on in our life, everything that we have on our plate, every hat that we have to wear, every single thing in our life. God, we lift you high above those things to the place that you deserve first on our list. And God, we, in the same time, we humble ourselves. And God, we get low because we know that we need you. We know that we're desperate for you in every single area. And so as we sing out with everything that we have, would you meet with us right here, right now, that we know we got stuff to do later today, but would you meet with us right here, right now, as we exalt you, as we humble ourselves? We exalt you, Jesus. And I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt O Lord, and I exalt I exalt and I exalt
Let's pray this out. Let's pray we exalt thee. We exalt thee. Come on, one voice. We exalt thee. Come on, as a church family. We gave a big amen. Hey, I want you to know, church, that this story in Daniel chapter 4, that it doesn't end there. You remember at the very beginning when we read that scripture and it said that there was a stump that was left, that when the tree, that big tree was cut down, that there was a stump that was left. I want you to know, church, that that stump is a picture of grace. That stump is a picture of Jesus. That stump is a picture of forgiveness. That stump is a picture of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. That that stump is a picture that failure is never final. That that stump is a picture that no matter how many times that you've messed up, that no matter how prideful at times that maybe we've become, that we can always come back to God. That's what the picture of that means. And that's exactly what happens in this story to Nebuchadnezzar. It says this, just to put a bow on this story in verse 34, it says, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, listen, I looked up to heaven. I acknowledged God and my sanity returned. And I praised and worshiped the most high and I honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. In other words, I exalted God. I made things about him, not me. And it says, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom and my advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. So I humbled myself before God and God in his grace lifted me higher than ever before. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and I glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true and he is able to humble the proud. Isn't that beautiful? The restoration. And here's what I want you to understand. Right here, right now, right here, right now, there's a stump for you. That just like that story, that grace and forgiveness and second chances and third chances and fourth chances is available to you. Just like that story that your failure is never final. That it doesn't matter that what you've done, the mistakes that you've made, how prideful at times that you become, that you can always come back to God, that none of you are too far gone. There's always a stump and you can experience that today. Listen, you need to understand that the stump 
in your life, it says that God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to forgive your sins, something that you and I can never do on our own. And he did it just for the chance to have a relationship with you. And we wanna give you that opportunity right now. So if you would, would you close your eyes and bow your head and just right here, right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here and you've never experienced the grace that can only come from Jesus. You've never said yes to him. Or maybe you're here and you have in the past, but right now you feel so far from God. And I want you to know today that there is a stump that is still there that right now you can experience grace and forgiveness and a second chance. You can experience a fresh start. And it's by simply just saying yes to Jesus, to saying, I follow you. I exalt you. I acknowledge you today. I give you my life. So if you're here and you wanna make that decision, I wanna invite you to just pray a very simple prayer. And I'm gonna lead you in that prayer. And if you, and if you wanna be included in that prayer, today you wanna give them your life. Today you wanna start or maybe restart your relationship with them. Maybe you've never done that before. or Maybe you need to come back to God. That if you're here and you know that's the decision that you need to make today, I need to come, I, I, I need to follow Jesus. That if you're here and that's you, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to boldly put your hand in the air. And just as an act of faith, as an act of humility, to put my hand up and say, I need you, God. And nobody is going to be looking around. And nobody can see. I can't even see. And I would just want to encourage you that if you're here and you know, maybe you're watching online, there's nobody in the room with you right now to humbly put your hand in the air and say, include me in that prayer. I need to give my life to Jesus. If you're here and that's you on the count of three, I want you to boldly put your hand in the air. One, two, three. If that's you, as a sign of faith, as a sign of faith, as a sign of faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a sign of faith, as a sign of faith. Yes, if you're watching online, that's me, that's me. And just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I exalt you. I acknowledge you. I humble myself. And I say today that I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? And will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. God, I give you my life, everything. And today I choose to follow you. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that saves that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, will you clap your hands, church, and celebrate with those that just made an amazing decision, the best decision of your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.